Praise the Lord. That was cool. Good morning. It's good to see you all. You're looking good. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Oh, man. Okay. So, so many things I could say, but I'm going to start by saying that there's a really strong push coming from our government and our media for division and segregation. Let's be honest. And the segregation is of the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. And the traffic light system that this country, the government, intends to implement very soon is actually a divisive tool that even from Jacinda Ardern's own mouth will create two classes of people, the vaccinated with rights and the unvaccinated without those rights. And if we permit that as the people of New Zealand, it will segregate according to vaccination status with the freedoms of those who choose not to take the vaccination being significantly reduced. And this goes directly against New Zealand's Bill of Rights. And I'm going to quote. Clause 11 from our Bill of Rights says, right to refuse to undergo medical treatment. Everyone has the right to re refuse to undergo any medical treatment. Clause 13, freedom of thought, conscience, and religion. Everyone has the right to freedom of thought, conscience, religion, and belief, including the right to adopt and to hold opinions without interference. Clause 18, freedom of movement. This is the first point from that clause. Everyone lawfully in New Zealand has the right to freedom of movement and residence in New Zealand. Clause 19, freedom from discrimination, point one. Everyone has the right to freedom from discrimination on the grounds of discrimination in the Human Rights Act 1993. So that's in our Bill of Rights. And it's not about whether you've received the vaccination, actually. It's not the issue at all. But no matter what you've decided to do, you should be extremely disturbed, in my opinion, uh, by what the government is trying to do because they're introducing apartheid into our country. And that's not okay. There are people that live, that are in our church that have experienced that firsthand, and it's not all right. The kingdom of darkness wants to divide us, wants us to fear, wants us to murmur, wants us to turn on one another. The New Zealand government, by its discriminatory mandates, is playing fully into the hands of Satan, in my opinion, and I would hope you'd agree with that. So what does that mean for us as a church? We are living in unprecedented times. Unprecedented means never before known or experienced. What our country and most other countries around the world are experiencing is something that we in our own lifetime, or very few of us, have, ev have ever experienced. We've never experienced it. However, as a church, we need to be aware of the devil's strategies and preempt them. And that is why it's absolutely vital that we as a church are united. God wants us to have freedom and liberty. 
while the kingdom of darkness wants the opposite. It wants to control us, it wants us to fear and enslave us. Now, I had a word from the Lord on the 27th of October. And often the Lord speaks to me in dreams, but this time it was actually a voice speaking to me. I woke up in the night and God started speaking. And this is what it said. Learn to rely heavily on the Holy Spirit's guidance. Day by day, moment by moment, so that your every move is led by him. Rely on him for even the seemingly inconsequential choices. He will lead you through the myriad of decisions, through the maze of pathways, so that you always choose the right path, provided you're relying on him. People will come to you for guidance because of the Holy Spirit in you, because you're led by the Spirit, because to them, you seem to know the path to take. Get to know me now. Now is the time, and I sense a feel of urgency. I sense urgency with that, that if you haven't done that, you need to now. You really, really need to take it seriously. Now is the time, like never before, to hear, to learn to hear and obey my voice, even in the minor things. Because then, and I'm adding my little moment there, because in, if it's in the minor things, then we'll be obedient in the bigger things, right? Then he said, light in the darkness, light the path others will follow. Rely on me. Now, when I was me- meditating or thinking about what God had said to me, I, was th- I thought of John 1, verses 1 to 4, which says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now, uh, that if you're not too familiar with that scripture, it goes down in verse 14, it says, the word became flesh. The word is Jesus. That's what it is about. Jesus is the source of our life. Every single thing that was made was made through him. Jesus is light. Okay? And that light is our light too because we're his body it's that light that shines in the darkness darkness flees from the light if you've ever gone into a dark room and turned on the light you know that darkness flees just as darkness cannot resist light when we have that light in us and we exercise our authority that's another thing we need to make sure we can do That light in us makes it difficult for the enemy to tell if it's Jesus or or not (laughs) because he just sees the light. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You know, the word of God lights the path that we're to take. And when we're unsure of that path, we need to go to the source of the light so that he can light the path. 
Okay? So that is why God is telling us to rely heavily, heavily on the Holy Spirit. So that we don't walk in darkness at all. And so that we're so in tune with the Holy Spirit that we're conscious of him all the time and we know which path to take. This is becoming more and more important. More and more important. Psalm 119 verse 130 says, The entrance of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. So if you're ever in a position where you don't know what path to take, start by spending time with God and his written word. In a world where shortcuts are preferred, unfortunately our society likes shortcuts. But God doesn't work that way. With God there are no shortcuts. There's no quick fix for getting closer with God. You can't do that. It's not possible. You have to invest the time. I want to refer you back to what God showed us as a church in September 2020, just a couple of things. God gave James a dream that I believe is really relevant to us as a church right now. And this is what he said. I dreamed I was on a train. There were lots of people on it. The train stopped. The carriage cleared out. There was a guy there standing like a statue. Once the people were gone, I could see him. I hadn't noticed him before all the people left. Once he, no once he noticed I could see him, he started moving rigidly. He was odd-looking, quite demonic. He had long black hair. He was wearing blue jeans and a grey top, plain clothes. He was short, but not really short. I couldn't see his hands or face. I felt like he might have been holding a knife. He came in a threatening manner. He came towards a mother and her child in a threatening manner. He said, do not move to the woman and child. And he spat at their feet. And the spit was brown. Okay, so, and then James had the same exact dream. And his first thoughts that were, what were that it represented the church. And so as an interpretation... It was that a move of God has come to an end and something demonic doesn't want the church getting off and moving on. The train is, the, is a move of God. The mother is the mature church and the daughter is the young or new church or new ways of doing things, you could say. The demonic thing had long black hair, which says it's a powerful demonic hindrance, causing a fear to let go of the old and move on. And it happened twice, which is just doubly, makes it doubly important. So the dream has revealed Satan's plan, which is to keep the church on the train that has stopped. So what I want to point out here is that the mother represented the old way of doing things, okay, while the daughter represented a new way of doing things. God's been transitioning us for a while. He's encouraging us to trust him and rely on the Holy Spirit in a way that probably none of us have fully experienced before, actually. He's prompting us to cast off fear, to let go of everything that hinders and trust him to take care of us. Do you know it takes a step of faith to do that? It really does. Satan doesn't, he wants to prevent us moving into that new way of doing things to prevent us from trusting and rely, relying on the Holy Spirit in everything we do. It's not just, so 
when I'm saying rely on the Holy Spirit heavily, when God said that to me, to me that was in every single thing that we do, every day, every day. And we need to get into the habit of Holy Spirit, asking him, Holy Spirit, what do I do? Holy Spirit, what do I do? Holy Spirit, what do I do here? And you know what? The more, if you practice in the little things and you learn to be obedient in the little things, then you'll hear him in the big things and be assured that it's him speaking. Soon after that, well, actually, really, just three days after James had that dream, Evie Willow had a dream. I don't know if you, some of you might remember James sharing this, but she was in Israel and she saw all the people spitting pink spit and it created a flood and pushed down an olden day wall. So, in regards to the interpretation, we're wrestling not against flesh and blood. Spitting can have good and bad meaning, but in this context it's good. Pink means childlike and love. The flood is a move of the spirit. So it's saying that the church is in a wrestle against an unseen enemy, we know that, and the church will overcome with childlike faith and the love of God, which, which will result in the move of the Spirit, which will be like a flood. Which is exciting. But we have to do something. And it's not, it's not just one or two of us. All of us do need to. You know, if we can... Yeah, what I want to just talk about in regards to that one is that if we have a childlike faith, and walk in the love of God, it's going to unleash a move of the Spirit that will flood the earth. You know, childlike faith is trusting God and relying on Him. That's why I went back to the, I, I was thinking about those dreams because they line up with the word that God gave me. Because they're really talking about trusting God to step out. Trusting God to step out in faith. Childlike faith is trusting God and relying on him to be everything you need. Your provider, your healer, your deliverer, your refuge, your defender, your place of safety, amongst lots of other things. It's being aware that you cannot do anything anymore in your own strength or ability. We have to stop relying on ourselves. We have to stop relying on our own strength. On our own ability, we have to rely on the Holy Spirit. It's full surrender to God. And so that song today was perfect because we do need to surrender to God. So we need to trust God and rely on him that he will do what he says he will do. We just have to trust him. It's, the word says it. A step of faith is believing it. You just, but that's it actually. It's just taking his word for it. It's believing it because we know we've got a loving father. We know that and so we can believe it. We can believe it. And that's what faith is. It's trust. It's trusting that what God says he will do, he will do. Meditate on 1 Peter 5, 7 which says, cast all your care on him for he cares for you. 
if at any moment you fear, you feel fear rising up, you've got to learn to cast your care on him. You've got to learn to not allow yourself to dwell on that fear because it weakens you. Matthew 6, 31 to 33 as well says, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear, or what shall we do, or how are we going to provide, or anything like that. For after all these things the Gentiles seek, in other words, everybody wants that. For our Heavenly Father knows that we need these things, but seek First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. God has our back. He, Jesus saw ahead of time over 2,000 years ago and said that, and it's been written in scripture. He knows what everybody's facing. So we have to trust God. Uh, James had a word about similar time to the word that I had too, didn't you, James? Can you please come up and share it? Thank you. Yep. So I don't normally, uh, I normally hear from God through dreams and but this time I actually went looking for a word. It just had a guts full of everything. So I had a prayer time and I purposely just seeked God. And uh, one of the first words I heard pretty clearly came out and says, this is God speaking. I will come to my house, the house of the Lord, and I will send my angels forth to destroy the evil works that lay upon my nation. Talking about New Zealand. Today is the day faith will overcome. It's our faith that will overcome. Will overcome all that is in front of you. Praise my name so that all the heavens hear it. Declare my name so all the nation hears it. So we come to church, we praise because we break through all the heavens. We break through all the spiritual principalities and powers through his name. But God also wants us declaring his name in the workplace. I'm starting to do that now. I never would have done it. I got asked why I wasn't, I'm not ashamed, I'm not getting the vax. So my job's on the line. I got asked why in an email, and I had a guts full. I pretty much gave them a few reasons, but my main reason I said is because me and my family are putting trust in God. I'm not going to hide it anymore. Why? What's the point? I want to let God be declared in the nation. So I'm going to start declaring God in every aspect of my life, and it takes a bit of guts to do it, but we're all going to make small steps. God goes on to say, speak my word so that I am able to perform it. Now is the time to stand tall against the Goliaths and throw your stone. Stand tall. Throw your stone. Throw the word of God at it and let God perform his word. He can't perform his word if you're not speaking it, if you're not standing in it. And then God ends it, I am God of all and justice is mine. We live in a nation where we want everything Instant gratification. God doesn't work that way. We're not to seek justice because God's going to deal with it his way. 
That was great. Thank you, James, for sharing that. I felt that the word that God gave him did line up a lot with what gave God gave me as well. You know, we really just need to be trusting God and relying on him at this time. And as James mentioned, there are some in, the, in this church facing the very real possibility of losing jobs due to the mandates. Of course, as I've said, it's everybody's individual choice. Uh, and even, you know, losing jobs and even businesses. But no matter what our decision is in regards to the vaccination, we must support each other as much as possible. And this might mean, this might mean starting support groups within the church. This might mean distributing food to those in need. Okay, it might mean being a listening ear. Definitely it means lifting your brothers and sisters up in prayer. And it definitely means interceding for our nation. Praying that the lies, the deceit and the corruption will be exposed and removed. And that a wave of the Holy Spirit will sweep this nation. So I really want to encourage us as a church, we need to unite. We need to support each other. We need to pray for each other. It's a spiritual battle. It's not a physical one. Our enemy is actually Satan and the kingdom of darkness. And we need to direct our fight against him because he is the one behind all of this. We need to stand up. You know, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, in these times, I believe it's really dangerous to be a Lone Ranger Christian. A, a Christian that doesn't think they need to be at church, I think that's dangerous. In these times, we need to be supporting one another, we need to be connected to one another. And you can't be that if you're just watching YouTube videos. Hey. We need to be asking the Holy Spirit for inspiration on how we can physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually support each other. As the body of Christ, I believe we need to close ranks. That means to unite in order to defend. So do not let the enemy divide us. Have each other's backs. If you hear any murmuring or gossip or divisive talk, Tell that person to come straight to the leadership team with their concerns because we will listen. We may or may not agree, but that's okay. Don't let people murmur amongst themselves because murmuring causes discord and division. Proverbs 6, 9, 16 to 19 says, These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. Let me tell you what they are. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift and running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and then listen to the last one, and one who sows discord among brethren. That's an abomination. Sowing discord among our brothers and sisters in Christ is an abomination to God. Now, I don't, that might not be happening at all. I do not know, but I just want to jump in before the devil gets a go. Do you know what I mean? 
So um, hopefully it's not happening at all. But I tell you what, if it is happening, we need to squash it. Because we need to make sure we're united as a church. Uh, you know what? Instead of murmuring or, and gossiping or judging the church on what, in your opinion, the leadership or others in the church aren't doing right, go straight to the leadership with concern so that they, they can be dealt with. And, and in that way, we don't give the devil an opportunity. So I want to uh, give you another scripture. It's Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him I will trust. And I really love that. We find freedom in the secret place of our Most High God. Complete and utter trust in our God. I love that verse, that whole psalm, actually, Psalm 91. I want to point out the word dwell and abide. And also making the Lord your habitation. Notice those three words. Habitation is mentioned in verse 9. So uh, dwell, abide, and habitation in God. Those are saying that, that, that that's a place where we need to live. Okay? It's not just a place that we visit occasionally. It's not a place that we just go once on a Sunday. It's a place where we should be living all the time. If we want to be a glorious church without spot or wrinkle that Jesus is coming back for, this is something we have to do. And I want to give you a few tips. Spend time worshipping God. Spend time praising God. Spend time thanking God. Not just on a Sunday morning. Do it all the time. Some of you probably already do that. Surrender to him. Surrender to him. Stay strong. Remember that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Spend time in his word. Set aside time every day with God. And that might mean putting aside your phone. It might mean putting aside the internet. It might mean putting aside social media and anything else that would steal that time because it's amazing how much time you can spend doing those things and spend time with God. Pray for our nation. Pray for a mass turning to God. People are getting desperate. Pray for one another, support one another, and most of all, learn to heavily trust in and rely on the Holy Spirit. And you can even do things like ask the Holy Spirit for inspired ideas on how to generate income even, how to support each other. So what I've just said can be summarized into five must-dos. There's the teacher in me coming out. <laughs> the must-dos. These are the things that you have to get done. First thing, spend time in God's presence. Okay, spend time in his presence. You could read Psalm 100. We start by thanking God. We, we praise him. We enter his presence with worship. Surrender to him. Point two, spend time in God's word. Jesus is the word, but we have the written word. Praise God. Imagine if we didn't have that. It would be terrible. 
And we should be planting it in our heart. It needs to be in here so that at the urgent moment, it comes out immediately. We don't have to say, oh my gosh, what was that scripture? Oh God, can't find it. You have to have it in here so it comes out at the moment you need it most. Point three, heavily trust in, lean on, and rely on the Holy Spirit. Point four, pray for our nation and for a mass harvest of souls and for each other. And five, support one another in three ways, spirit, soul, body. Now, we, to be able to do this, to trust in the Holy Spirit, we really need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Before you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, you need to be saved. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. It's true. Not, not one person can get to God without first going through Jesus. And... That's the only way we can make our lives right with God is by receiving Jesus. So I'm just going to give everybody, I don't know if there's unsaved people here, but I'm going to assume there are. So if you, if you want to receive Jesus in this time of need, then I want you to pray this prayer. I want everyone else to pray it with me too. Could be just a recommitment. Dear God, I believe that Jesus died for me to redeem me from the curse of the law. I acknowledge that I've done things which are wrong. Please forgive me. I accept your gift of salvation. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Saviour. Now, if you've actually done that for the first time or the second time, whatever, let us know because we have something to give you and we wouldn't want you to go away without that. And so you just need to find one of the um, people at the greeting team to give you that. Or something. Oh, there we go. Thank you. Thank you. So, the second thing we need is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, John 14, 26 says, The Holy Spirit will teach and remind us of the things God has said. That's why we need the Holy Spirit in us. Because he teaches us and he guides us. And he reminds us of things God said. And John 16, 13 says, the Holy Spirit will guide you and tell you things to come. And you know what as well? When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have access to a heavenly language as well, which makes no sense to the logical mind. And that's why people that are quite logical need to sort of turn that off a little bit because it makes no sense. But do you know what? It means that you can pray the perfect prayer even when you don't know what to pray. 
And so I, we've got a couple of things to do, but I, I want to give people an opportunity to receive the Holy Spirit. But before we do that, I want to spend a little bit of time um, remembering what our Lord Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, and we're going to have communion together. You know, Jesus' blood was spilt and his body was broken, not for his own benefit. He didn't do it for him. He did it for you and I. He, he did that to redeem us, to buy us back, because there was nothing at all that we could ever do that would make us right with God in our own what we can do. And it was only through a sacrificial lamb that we could be made right again with God. And so I just want to encourage you, come forward, um, grab the emblems, and then take them back to your seat, and we'll have them together, and I'll pray.